Welcome back to Foundational Thoughts, the podcast, the Missouri Baptist Foundation. My name is Neil, your host, and today we're wrapping up a four-part series with Tim Menzendeek. And if you've not been listening to us, you are missing out because Tim and I are talking about some important matters that are important for leaders of churches, leaders of families, for attenders of churches. If you have a business, if you work at a business, if you will, if you really have to deal with people at all. We're all involved in something that uh, Tim has defined as culture, which means any way that we are doing things, how things are done in those environments. And one of the things we want to talk about here in our last uh, podcast of this uh, session that we're doing, this, this series we're doing, is how the church can really grasp an opportunity when it comes to culture. Because as we've talked about briefly, the world's culture, the American culture, has some real challenges mm-hmm. to it right now uh, with the idea of, of diversity of mindsets, a difference of perspectives, which I think have always been there, mm-hmm. but through media outlets, mm-hmm. social media, no gatekeepers, everybody gets to share their opinion equally and quickly, and you and I uh, could do something dumb enough that by the <laughs> afternoon, millions of people could be watching <laughs> or listening. We're going to try not to do that. But the church has great opportunity because of the commonality of the problem that we've been discussing mm-hmm. with culture. And you're finding some, I don't want to say inroads into businesses, but when you start sharing some of these concepts of leadership, vulnerability, brokenness, shame, guilt, truth, love, there's a whole world desperate to hear somebody mm-hmm. talk about that in terms they can understand. Yeah, you know, I I have a saying. I I say, um, as goes the church, so goes the country. And if you step back and you look at the people inside of our church, it's been my experience that you have a lot of people in church with a lack of understanding of how that process works. The home is such an important culture, such a vital culture. All the research, secular and Christian research shows how important that is. We have an incredible opportunity to reach a very broken culture. Now, you say that in a time when we have a lot of our churches that are struggling. Yes, yes, there are churches that are doing well, and you can point them out, and they seem to get bigger and bigger and bigger. But it seems like, in my experience, though the church has always been small locally, you know, mm-hmm. I think the median size of a church is 70 or 80 or right, 85. Right. But it seems like, as in many other things in our culture, that that middle class economically, or now maybe that middle size of congregation is kind of getting pressed in on both sides. And so I think there's a lot of churches out there that are desperate of trying to keep the thing going, meeting week to week, Mm -hmm. continuing to make the finances, Mm -hmm. finding qualified people. And so for a lot of churches, I think it's a matter of trying to stay open, but you're trying to talk to me today and thereby listening that there's incredible opportunity in the middle of that? What is that opportunity? Incredible opportunity. Well, let me, let me say this. In my illustrious career, I'm all of 61 years old this year, in my career I've had experience in academics, I've had experience in corporate America, family business, and I was a pastor for almost 23 years. Neil, it doesn't make any difference what area we're discussing Brokenness in people is the same in the church as it is in the business. The answer 
to the fix is Jesus Christ. It's the truth of how God designed life to be lived. It's what the book of Proverbs calls wisdom. Wisdom applied in any one of those areas can impact great change. My point is there's an incredible opportunity in all of those areas to take the truths of the Word of God, packaged with love, love and truth working together, go out into the culture and make a profound impact. I dream of the day when the church could be missional in business where the church could be missional in the school. You know, there's, there's this fear that we can't talk about God things, um, you know, in, in business and in church because people uh, might get offended. Well, if you have good relational skills, you know where the boundaries are or where you can go uh, with that. So, yes, the church has an amazing opportunity to be missional in a broken culture, and I'm, I'm all over that. But what about the person who's sitting there going, well... The church hasn't moved location. We've still got our sign out there. We've got an ad on social media now. We have a Facebook. If people were looking for those things, they would come to us to find them. And so, Tim, hard to believe that people still want the things that we as the church, quote, have to offer. Has anybody ever said that to you? Yeah, I think there's a very common misconception about that. I think... uh, if I were Dr. Phil sitting here, I'd say, how's that working for you? Well, I, I think probably not very well. <laughs> you're not Dr. Phil, you're Dr. Tim. Uh, but how do we respond that to the church? Because I think, there's some in, I think there are some significantly minded people who would go, you know what? This world is going to heck in a handbasket. This is the result of right. sin. We're right. here if they want them. We're going to close and batten down the hatches and mm-hmm. take care of our family. Mm-hmm. And to, to think that we're going to engage all that, it, it's scary out there. It is very scary, and, and Neil, honestly, so much of what I'm talking about, what we've discussed in these last several sessions, is not something I learned in Bible college or seminary or even for part of my business degree. This is a lifelong journey of looking at what's real and what's true and trying to figure out how the Word of God speaks to that. Mm-hmm. My experience has been this, and sitting down talking with business people, uh, talking about principles of culture, talking about principles of leadership, vulnerability, brokenness, and so on and so forth, that people have itching ears out there. They're ready to hear. They're ready to know what's true. They're ready to know how to be led and how to lead. And we're missing a tremendous opportunity to do so. But it may not be with the start of bringing our Bible in that's got red letters in it in the King James Version and start quoting Scripture verses. That's right. And I'll tell you from experience, I did a little little uh, experiment a couple times in Kansas City where I got a group of business people together, and I taught some principles that I just took the Bible verses off of. And one of the most common responses was, where did you get this stuff? Hmm. And the look on a guy's face when he hears the Bible is very interesting. The Bible has lots to say in principle about how God designed life to be lived. All of that design, obviously, is not included in the Bible. I don't, my cell phone's not in there. So there's a lot of truth outside of the Bible. But the Bible is full of principles that support how to have a great business, how to have a great family, how to have a great nonprofit, how to have a great church. 
But it seems like, at least in my background, we skim the surface off of capturing some really broad-based ideas like you need to love each other. What is, how do you unpack that? What does that look like in reality? And that's where I think we miss the ball in terms of the practical application of God's truth down on the ground, on the sales floor of a business, in the boardroom of a nonprofit. Because even the Ten Commandments applied into life, though it may not lead a person to eternal salvation in and of themselves. It comes through a gift of grace for based on Amen. faith and repentance and all those things. But if we just all follow the Ten Commandments, we would probably be able to get along a little bit better among each other, wouldn't you suspect? Yeah, that's true. And what what I'm instantly reminded of is Paul's comments in Romans chapter 2, the last two verses of Romans chapter 2, where he talked about who's the true Jew, the one who had a change of heart. Hmm. And that's really, as you look at our culture, it feels to me like you have a lot of people with head knowledge of rules and back to the plantation model. You have, you have a lot of the, the structure down. Where's the heart change? Jesus said, I've come to heal the brokenhearted. Where's that change? Hmm. That sounds like a whole other topic to dive into. Because it <laughs> sounds like there, just because you park your car in a garage doesn't necessarily make you the car sometimes, and just being in the church doesn't always change those things. But when you're talking about a, a revolution here of the way that the church thinks and operates, you're thinking about reconciliation as a big piece of that, of healing brokenness, healing shame, and doing that in an individual basis or in seminars that are not necessarily branded church or, or what are you <coughs> excuse me what are you seeing there how does that actually come to life because you've got all this knowledge in your head that you can dispense on some folks but but where do we begin as a as a congregation as a church or even as a business in some of our training that we do of the employees that we get to have, have leadership over i think where you have to begin is what is reality what's true a while ago, I talked about love and truth. What, what's true? The leader that leads that change has to understand there's an elephant in the room, <laughs> and that's true. And, and the process of that change is the leader recognizing in him or herself that there are truths that are not going to become untruths if I stick my head under the sheets. Those things are true. Those things need to be dealt with. And so... When you look at this concept of reconciliation, I like to look at it as a formula. There's repentance, reconciliation, and restoration. Okay. Repentance, Re repentance reconciliation, restoration. Okay. Okay. Repentance, just raising your hand, say, you know, I'm going to turn the other way. I am realize I'm wrong. I'm going back the other way. Repentance, the leader, uh, the president of a company sits in a room with employees and says, guys, I want to confess to you I've made several mistakes in the last six months, and how we've done business here. Wow. It sounds like confess your faults or sins one to another mm -hmm. and pray for one another that you might be healed. Reconciliation is everybody on the same page. When my bank statement is reconciled with the bank, I'm saying the same thing that the bank is saying. Then comes the restoration piece of how you build trust and, and live out life. Hope that makes sense. Yeah, I think it does. And, and that's I love the fact that you are giving that as a formula uh, for us to, to think about in every environment that we're in. Maybe that's even a 
brokenness with a fight with a spouse mm-hmm. that could apply to say, mm-hmm. okay, I made mm-hmm. this mistake and I can own this part of it, probably without pointing out all, all the things the other person did. We'll let the Lord work on that side. But here's what I made a mistake on. And then can we get back on the same page? Can we agree that, hey, we've had some mistakes and we have a common element, a common goal that we're going to go through there? And then that third piece, you call that which restoration. Rest, restoration, is where we begin to walk together mm-hmm. toward that path. And so that, that can be applied in a lot of different places. Absolutely. And for, for example, a leader of a company, the boss, uh, if you have a belly button, you probably made mistakes, right? Right, sure. And so as you've made mistakes, you've repented, you've reconciled, everybody's saying the same thing. Now, that restoration process for a leader means the leader has to earn respect, and earn trust. And that takes time. And I think too many times, even as Christians, we want to set aside the time thing, mm-hmm. you know. Just and, make it instantaneous. We want to make it instantaneous. And, and if you can't forgive me right now, or you can't trust me rather right now, there's something wrong with you. And, and even our culture understands that because oftentimes we will see a celebrity do something really dumb or bad and get on TV and act contrite over that and say, oh, I'm so sorry, I'll mm-hmm. never do that again. Yep. And there's a little bit, of, there seems to be more and more skepticism over that to say, okay, well, we'll forgive you this time, but we're going to watch you to make sure this is not a continual pattern. And then if it is, we kind of write you off. And you're saying that's not necessarily bad, because I think sometimes in Christian Christian realm, hey, well, Jesus forgave me, so I just forget about it, yeah, and it's as yeah. if it's never happened, and so we're just, everything's hunky-dory now. I think I talked about this on a previous podcast. You the did. difference between forgiveness and trust. Forgiveness is something that I give to release me from what somebody has done to me. And is necessary. And is necessary. Otherwise, I will fall into bitterness. So it's critical. Bitterness. So I don't want to underplay forgiveness. Right. don't want to underplay that at all. But you're saying the work still is not done, and that other person on the other side of that relationship has some reasonable work to done with some reasonable expectation from you as well for a trust to be built. Absolutely. Again, the Bible's very clear. Trust is due, trustworthy people. You don't hand out trust like candy. And to become trustworthy, you need another element in there, and that's called time. Mm. Over time. I've learned to trust you. Wow. Well, thank you for giving us some time here at the Foundational Thoughts Podcast. You've given us four sessions now as we talk about culture, which, again, is culture is the way that we do things around right. here. Right. And every organization, every family, every person has a culture. Every culture has some room to improve. A lot of that improvement is going to be contingent upon the leader, though not all of it is, and everybody has a role to play, and we'll talk in the future probably about how to, I think I read a book one time, Leading from the Second Chair, I think is what the title of the book book. was, uh, about we've all got responsibilities, so we can't just not do those things. But if we are called to lead something, a family, a small group, a business, we have to be the ones who create culture. Erwin McManus, many years ago, I think, said that that a pastor's primary job is cultural architecture. That's great. Where his job is to, is to, what are we trying to create? But there are certain ways to do that that are going to be more effective than other ways. Mm-hmm. It Obviously, if you fall into sin, that's probably going to be a bad thing, and it's probably not going to go well. Right. But you can even still have the right architecture, the right culture, and the way that you implement it can limit or destroy what you're trying to accomplish that's as right. well. And what we've been trying that's to right. do 
through what you've learned and what you're learning of how we can better help people do that. Now, Tim, there are ways for people to get in touch with you in case somebody's listening to this podcast and says, hey, I want to talk to more about Tim, find out more materials. We haven't given you a whole lot of chance to do that. But how does somebody get in touch with Tim Menzendeek and finding out more about these principles we've been talking about? Well, I'll tell you what, I'll give out my cell phone number. How's oh, that? Well, you will. The four people who are listening, I don't know if you can handle those calls, Tim, <laughs> but if you're brave enough. Uh, no, seriously, you could email me at Tim at sozoinitiative.org, S-O-Z-O initiative.org, Tim at sozoinitiative.org, or heck, I'll even give out my phone number, 816-365-6185. Please don't send me any spam texts. All right. Well, you've got a, a wealth of information with the ministry that uh, you are leading called Sozo. Uh, all about reconciliation, all about relationships, and hopefully over the podcast in the months and years to come, we'll continue to develop this relationship, learn more about what you're doing so that we can help more people uh, build some better foundations for their lives and their ministries. Amen. Thanks Looking for joining forward to me, Tim. It. Appreciate it so much. Thanks for joining us here on Foundational Thoughts, the podcast of the Missouri Baptist Foundation. 